Okay, welcome. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Rankable Podcast. I, I'm super excited. We are getting into like the, the nitty gritty of some complex, awesome SEO. My name is Garrett Sussman with Rank. Today, I'm joined by Will Critchlow. Now, Will is the master when it comes to SEO split testing. He has some really awesome thoughts about internal linking. He's the CEO of SearchPilot, which is actually the spinoff of his agency, Distill, which started back in, what was it, 2005, um, with Duncan Morris, him, they, they built it up. It, it was a very successful agency. And then so SearchPilot was this, this software platform that allows you to do SEO testing. It uses some really complex mathematical algorithms to be able to do these accurate um, experiments. So he's going to tell us all about it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Will. Thank you for having me on, guys. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Awesome. So before we even dive in, uh, you did share a fun fact with me, and you educated me too about the land of whiskey, which first off, I didn't even realize that Scotch whiskey spelled without an E, American whiskey, uh, and UK whiskey with the EY. Tell me a little bit about your whiskey store. You had 200 bottles? <laughs> yeah, so, well, it's, we bought a cask. This is, this is what happened. So, um, the, despite the name distilled of, of the agency, this was this was nothing to do with the uh, the, the agency business. <laughs> it, was with, it was with Duncan, uh, my, my co-founder in the agency business. So uh, it was actually the two of us and his dad. But it, it was an idea that I had when we were walking. My wife and I were, out, were walking the West Highland Way. I don't know if anybody uh, who's listening knows this. It's like a, I think it's like a 90-mile walk that you do over multiple over like a week you stay stay in camp in different places or stay in um small uh you know some small places on the way and we one of the walks one of the days is the is like this the longest of the days and it's across uh Ranachmore, which if anybody's seen skyfall uh the bond mm-hmm. movie it's that kind of scottish like you know crazy beautiful but really forbidding landscape and we're walking right the way across this moor and uh it's the rain is just driving in our faces and we were cold we didn't even want to stop for lunch it's like, and it's like an 18 mile walk day or something the longest of the days and uh, anyway it's like mid-afternoon and we've been walking in the rain all day and i just was like I just really wish somebody would just show up right now and have me a whiskey because it's <laughs> wouldn't that be great anyway i don't know thought processes being what they are one thing led to another and that led me to the idea of like hey you know whiskey gets really expensive gets more and more expensive the older it is i bet it's a great investment why don't we buy a cask of whiskey and we got home and bought a cask of whiskey and 15 years later ended up with 200 and something bottles of whiskey <laughs> and uh yeah, you know it was it was a fun journey wait so how about how much is it what is it is it was it worth the investment <laughs> uh, so we we did make money not uh, so what we did with it was we we actually kind of pre-sold it along the way. So uh, uh, we let people uh, buy in at, at kind of mid-price, I guess, like between the price that we were paying when we bought the original cask and what we figured it'd be worth uh, full price. And then, but then, yeah, we auctioned some bottles, and uh, I think yeah, some of them went for for, for a reasonable amount of money. And, and more importantly, I ended up with a few dozen bottles. But, you know, I've got a lifetime supply of, uh, of my own fifteen-year-old cask strength uh, Aaron whiskey. From that's amazing. Coast coast. I mean, that, that's the word SEOs, right? It's like we all have ideas. We all buy domain names with always the good intentions and some pan out and some really just never do. Yeah. Speaking of, like, how man, how'd you get into SEO? How'd you get into specifically like SEO split testing? Like what was that journey? Yes. Yeah, so, well, so that journey, it's, it's got a, a whole bunch of different bits to it. So we started out, it started out by getting into web design and development, I guess. Um, the back 
back in the 90s, Duncan and I, so Duncan and I went to high school together. Uh, we, we met playing basketball age, actually, well, age 11. So what we call high school, which is actually before, I think, US high school uh, starts. And um, uh, yeah, so in the late 90s, we were probably, I don't know, 16, 17, we, we were casting around for businesses that we could start that were more interesting than uh, waiting tables or whatever other kind of- Buying uh, mini discs for your yeah. mini disc player. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, there, there's another story there, but um, we were casting around for stuff and we ended up building some, learning basic HTML and, and building some small business websites for local companies. And uh, then when we finished university, we thought about going straight into it, but we wanted to move to London, couldn't afford to do both things at once. So we went and got jobs uh, in the city. And then uh, a couple of two and a half years later, we kind of said, hey, you know, we're going to start a business together because if we are, uh, we should do it now while we're renting before we have kids, you know, all, all that kind of uh, life stuff. And so we did. And, and we've been casting around for the big idea, you know, that anybody who was around in that dot com era remembers the big idea, you know, that it's like, uh, I mean, actually, most of them are businesses now, right? Like they work eventually, but it, it just took so long. It's like, it's pet food, but it's delivered. And you know, in, in 1996, that was a terrible idea. Of course, uh, now it's a multi-billion dollar, uh, multi-multi-billion dollar. E-commerce, e e-commerce uh, in the 90s, like was not yet a thing. You were scared to put your credit card into the computer. Right, I mean, so, so much like the fulfillment wasn't there. And, uh, anyway, so point being, we, we thought we needed this big idea to start a business. And then we were like, but we want to start a company anyway, even though we don't have the big idea. And anyway, the dot-com bubble had burst by this point. So we were back to like, why don't we do something profitable? You know, crazy talk. And uh, so we we started just we just went back to the the, the web design and development stuff. Um, by this point, uh, Duncan had got a computer science degree, so um, all of the actual like hard work fell to him. And my job was getting out there, selling it, and uh, doing all everything else about running the business, right? All the uh, finance, administration, uh, legal stuff, all that kind of thing. And that was two thousand five. We spent a year or two building small, small business websites. We built our own CMS this was back when WordPress wasn't that great for you know running anything but a blog. Uh, and we, so we built this super simple, super stripped down kind of thing. Anyway, after having built dozens of these small business websites, we realized that what everybody really wanted, the differentiated thing, was getting more traffic uh, to them because there were, yeah, you could literally, in the part of Southwest London we lived in, you could throw a stone and hit a web developer, but uh, <laughs> um, there weren't there weren't many people specializing in, in, in digital marketing. And so that then ended up combining, so actually in a way I was almost first interested in paid search because back then there wasn't really anything else, right? There was no social um, to speak of. And, and it, so it was really all search and it was either paid or organic. And I loved the auction theory of paid search because I'd actually studied auction theory at university and uh, that's a whole other rabbit hole that we can go down. And right. Uh, the auctions are like, if you want to properly get me geeking out for an hour and this thing would, nobody would be listening by the end of it, but. Uh, uh, we'll save that uh, for our NFT uh, conversation next. There we go. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was really into the, the business model behind, uh, behind that side of things. But for our small local business clients, SEO was where it was at, right? And, and so we initially, it was just a case of helping them get visible, making sure that they were found for the obvious things. And then gradually we realized there was a lot more to it than that, a lot more opportunity than that. And um, after practicing essentially for free, for you know, like we were just doing it to help out our web design class initially. And then we, um, we gradually started getting more into it, got involved with the Moz community, SEO Moz as it, as it was called back then. And 
uh, yeah, eventually started selling as a standalone service, which was around the time my brother got involved with the business and, and things as well. And um, yeah, the rest was history. It, it, it just, it basically was perfect for me to geek out in. It was, it had the right combination of business impact, technical detail, stuff that was changing, the stuff that we could research, data and analysis. And it just all those things were, were things that, um, I mean, I'm, as you can tell, I'm still, still kind of excited about it 15 years later. So uh, that, that's, how we, uh, that's how we got into it. No, and it's fun. And so it's interesting because you did you did sell distill to Brain Labs, but now you you're focused really on this this SEO testing. And obviously, you still dabble in everything. But like, what is the draw with SEO testing? When did SEO testing really come to the forefront? And how do you perceive it, like in the modern SEO world? Yeah. So the well, the history is that we so the, the platform that became SearchPilot. As you, as you mentioned at the outset, that started out as, as a project within Distilled. So um, in uh, 2014, 2015, somewhere around that kind of time, a few folks in, in our team formed an R&D team, a research and development team within Distilled. Um, and actually Duncan, my, my co-founder, was part of that team. Uh, some other names people might know. Uh, so Tom Anthony was, was uh, led, led the drive for a lot of this stuff. And um, that initially just group of essentially engineers uh, set out to start building things that helped us differentiate agency, make, make this still better, make our client work better, help our clients be successful, help our consultants do better work, any of those kind of things. And they, they, they built a few different, went in a few different uh, directions, exploring different things. And by around 2016, early 2017, we knew that the really they were just focused on the one, which was uh, this, this platform that was what became SearchPilot. And it started as being a kind of, technical R&D question of could we build a platform that deployed like a proxy layer, right? Like, like a CDN, right. like a content delivery network into our, um, into our customers' web stack. Could it be fast, performant, secure, all those kind of things mm -hmm. and modify the HTML en route? So essentially a CDN that can modify the, um, the, the contents of the page. That was the first thing, the kind of technical R&D. And then it was kind of saying, okay, well, what we could do with that is either we could, we could just make changes, right? We could just fixes, SEO fixes, mm -hmm. um, but also at the same time, a few of us, it came from a few different directions at once, but I remember a conversation with, uh, with Tom Anthony about uh, how folks like Etsy and Pinterest, um, I forget who was doing it right back then, but there were, there were some articles published about this, this concept of SEO split testing, which is, you know, many people have been, have written or talked about user experience testing, right, conversion rate optimization testing. Right classic A-B testing that people are familiar with, where you, you make two versions of a page and you show half your audience one version and half your audience the other version. I mean, there's obviously a lot, lot of subtleties to it, but that, that's the basics. Th this approach that they were pioneering at some of the big tech companies was a little different. And it was about saying, okay, there's only really, in this context, one user we care about, it's Googlebot. Um, and, well, we care about the end users, but there's one user we can measure. And we can't show Googlebot two versions of the same page, that won't work, doesn't work technically. Um, and, and even if we could somehow, there'd be duplication. And so what this, the way it works on a large website, you take a site section, make a check, and you're testing really template changes. And so what you do is you take half the pages in the template and make the change, and the other half the pages in the site section and uh, leave them unchanged as the control group. And this was something, some, as I said, some of the big tech companies were doing, but it's quite complex. And in particular, there's a bunch of stages that are difficult. So you need to, you can't just randomly allocate those pages. You have to separate them into two statistically similar 
groups. Right. That's that difficult. Then you've got to make changes to half the pages in the site section, which most content management systems don't let you do. Uh, then you've got to ingest all the analytics data and do a bunch of statistical work to figure out, did your change work? Did, did it have an impact? But but that's the core of it. And we realized we could do this with, with this platform. And uh, so we, we set out building it, basically, and, and tried to validate the... Um, the, the business idea that this was something that the people needed. And you asked how it fits into SEO. Our vision was this could solve the two biggest problems that we had encountered as consultants over the preceding decade, which were um, that all of, our, all of our big clients struggled with getting things done, right? So that even if they knew what to do, getting it actually implemented out in, into the real world on their website was, was super tough. And proving the value and, and, and being able to know which changes worked, which ones didn't, which ones you had to roll back, uh, what the right thing to do was. And those just blew away every other challenge that, that we had. Those were the challenges. And we, we could solve both those problems for, for, for our, our customers if they deployed this stuff. And so, um, yeah, you know, first, I think first paying customer, 2017-ish kind of era. Uh, then we've turned that group that, that had just been techies, the kind of R&D group, into a business unit in 2018. Um, and that business unit is what, you know, it had its own p and and that kind of stuff. And that was what we spun out into its own independent company at the same time as the Brain Labs deal when, when the rest of the company was, was acquired by Brain Labs. Right. Oh, it's, I mean, it's such a major achievement because you just listed out all the technical challenges in the first place, let alone you're working with all the variability of Google that's so typically outside of the control of SEOs. Like, you know, you still see like anytime there's an algorithm update or there's new competitors entering the field, you know, that can really impact the results that you're seeing, but you're tied with your forecast model and the mathematic algorithms that your team has built. You account for all of these variables that, that, because you have to be able to say with some amount of statistical significance with confidence that these experiments are coming to some sort of conclusion and you still have to always be like adjusting it as well. So, so like people can't just do that themselves your tool is is very unique in that respect, right? Yeah, so, so all those things are, are, are complicated and we figured if we if we could just build it once and, yeah. and put a lot of our energy and effort into making that uh, a scalable platform, then that could be available to, to, to a wide range of customers and all of those improvements that we would put through the platform you know, available to all of them, the classic kind of SaaS uh, business model. And um, yeah, so the way, because there's that control group, because there's pages that we haven't changed, we get statistical confidence. Um, we can measure the uplift, and we can, um, uh, yeah, we, we can kind of rule out all of the other possible causes of those changes, whether it be seasonality, site-wide changes, Google algorithm updates, things your competitors have done. You know, any, all of those things are taken care of by the control group, and uh, so we can we can kind of narrow it down to the, the SEO-centric change that, that, that you made. So, you, and you met, so you mentioned Etsy, and you you mentioned Pinterest, and we know with CRO. There's always you need a certain amount of traffic to be able to even conduct a experiment that gets the results that you can be that can be statistically significant. Who is SEO split testing like for? Like who can actually use this and implement this to get results that are reliable? Yeah, so we've focused in on certified on the on the bigger end, um, and, and right. that's quite deliberate for for a whole variety of reasons. But um, so most of our our mission is kind of the the really big websites. Yeah. The, the rule of thumb at the kind of the bottom end of, of where it becomes statistically valid, I guess, is where you're likely to be able to get statistically valid results is somewhere in the region of a thousand organic visits per uh, sessions per day. 
to the site section in question. So excluding the homepage typically, right? So uh, the kinds of sites this works for could be e-commerce, could be uh, travel, pre-COVID, <laughs> could be uh, um, jobs, real estate, um, local businesses with enough, if they've got enough location, uh, you know, so like a national business with locate right. or retail um, outlets. Um, any of those kind of uh, websites that are scalable, that have a large number of pages in the same template. And as long as that group of pages gets that kind of a thousand organic sessions a day kind of level, then you can run statistically significant split tests on it. Cool. And so, and so you start, okay, so you have your, your, the type of websites that you can test this on. What are the type of experiments that you run? I mean, there, I, I can imagine there are different levels of complexity of experiments. What, what do you usually recommend? Where do you start? Yeah. I mean, it, obviously it depends what they've already worked on and what their, what their kind of priorities are, but sure. it, it, it does run the full gamut from super simple stuff like a title tag change, um, to, I guess, mid-level complexity would be something like a purely on-page change, but more more difficult, like implementing schema, for example, uh, is something that, that is typically maybe a little bit trickier from, a, from an engineering perspective or, or to build the test. Um, and then probably the hardest end, which is some stuff that I've been writing about recently, is internal linking tests. Right. And the reason that that's difficult is mainly on the measurement side. Because the challenge with internal linking tests, of course, is a link is from two, is between two pages, and so with a schema change, you make the change to a page, and you expect to see the results in performance of that page. Whereas with an internal linking test, you can see changes to the of the source page, changes of the destination page, or even changes to pages that are neither of those things that are just now their links are a little bit more diluted because you've added some more links to the page. Um, so it's it's kind of complicated. I'm I'm ex I'm actually really excited. So I, that's a perfect segue into internal linking, which you actually just wrote an article that came out yesterday, where you kind of got some more of your thoughts out there. You'd written an article back in in 2017 about it, and it's it's a it's a really complex subject. I mean, you even said yourself, there's still things that you feel like still confuse you about internal linking. Where do you currently stand on it? Like, how important is internal linking when it comes to impacting rankings in SEO? I mean, I think it's, I would say it's, it's probably been one of our most consistently positive test types. Huh. So it is, it consistently moves the needle. I would say it's, it's probably not, if, if you ask me what's the single kind of test that has had the biggest impact, that's more likely to be something like titles. And that's just because they affect both ranking and the click-through rate. And we've seen uh, we've seen nothing that messes a site up faster than getting titles wrong, um, and that's that, that, there's a whole other avenue of stories in that direction. But some of the most experienced SEO consultants I know have come up with SEO titles that you know, a hypothesis for, about titles that they thought was strong, and it's been like you know minus thirty percent organic traffic or something. So uh, you know, titles have the biggest biggest impact, but internal linking is is consistently positive, and so. I think um, it's it's still a big deal, uh, and, and it's a big deal because on large websites it affects not only it affects crawling, right? It, it's the crawl path, it's the um, the ability to recrawl and re-index long tail pages uh, more easily, more quickly, distributing that kind of authority. It's also it's also an authority metric that um, you know obviously we don't know what's going on inside Google's black box, but it, it does appear that some kind of concept of a page rank-esque thing is, is still in the mix. And 
that they're never going to say that only applies to external links. Internal links are always a thing in that model. And so it, it for sure distributes authority around the site and uh, can lead to um, yeah, like ways of, of shaping that and, and pushing your most important pages uh, more strongly to the fore. It, 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 it would scare the crap out of me, to be honest, even mess with internal links the way you talk about it, because to your point, there are the three factors of how, what can be, you know, impacted, the source, the destination, and then just ones that aren't related, but they're part of the ecosystem. Yeah. yeah. Like, how do you, so, so, and obviously page rank, you know, differs between, you know, the homepage is going to, is going to have much more impact than, you know, everything else. How do you approach SEO split testing internal linking. That seems like complexity on top on top of complexity, but it seems really important before you go and make any changes because you you can't anticipate what's going to happen. How how do you approach that? Yeah, so I mean, in terms of designing the test, that you can approach it from a few different angles. I think you can um, you can there's rules of thumb and best practices that you could apply. Obviously, you don't know if they're going to be right, but reducing the click number of clicks away from the homepage of longer tail pages, um, better internal in interlinking between pages at the same level. There's a lot of kind of general rules of thumb or hypotheses you might come up with in that kind of way. Or you can get more scientific about it, and that could be just running a crawl and finding you know, unloved sections. Or the opposite, finding, looking more through analytics and ranking data and trying to say which are our biggest pages, which are our biggest opportunity pages. So, you know, stuff ranking bottom half of the first page, that, that kind of stuff. Um, and just looking at to ways to distribute link authority around to, uh, to those places. Or even further, and this is some stuff that I've, um, like you mentioned that the thing I wrote in 2017, we, we dappled with this. So honestly, it's not, it's still more kind of R&D than anything else, but around um, running your own iterative algorithm. So, so running a kind of internal page rank kind of concept on your own, on a crawl of your own data. And then, I guess perturbing that, right? So, so rolling out a theoretical change and um, and then measuring the impact of the in, on the internal page rank side before you push it out to the uh, you know the real world. Um, what one note on that? I've seen quite a few articles about internal page rank that just just run page rank on on a raw crawl, and I think that can give misleading results if if you actually do that. And, and it's not too hard to do. So you, you can run a crawl using any of the you know, anything from Screaming Frog to a cloud-based crawler and get a list of all your internal links. Even on a pretty large site, you can do a sampling of that. And then Python, R, you know, a bunch of programming languages have built in the ability to run PageRank. The problem is if you just run a naive PageRank on an internal crawl uh, data, it'll throw out, out things like, you know, your most important page is your terms and conditions. Um, and that's because it's linked to from every page on, on your website. But um, so what that's misleading and doesn't give you kind of the real picture. So what I think you need to do if you're actually going to go down this route is seed the internal page rank with some kind of external authority metric data. And, you know, that could be something like Ahrefs data, Moz data, um, or even just traffic data, like it's just something that gives some concept of which are your big pages. And then um, uh, that, if you feed that in, you can kind of pre-weight a page rank algorithm with, uh, with like starting values and then run the iterative algorithm. And I think that gives better results. Um, but like I say, this is all a bit experimental. So, so you can do those kind of things. And then ultimately at some point, you're gonna to want to put it out into the real world and you're gonna to want to test. Was that a good idea? Was all that work I did uh, worth it? And this is where, yeah, you get into, as you said, all those, all those kind of complexities. So the way, way we think about that is, I mentioned the splitting a site section into control and variant before. Mm -hmm. 
um, what you need to do is not only do that, but then also come up with a uh, what we call a measurement section, which is the the group of pages where you might expect to see the result. So that's in this case the destinations of the new links that have been put in, and then compare that to a lookalike control, which is like a group of pages that are similar to those pages but didn't get new links. Uh, right. them. And so now you're measuring the impact on the pages where you place the links, the impact on the pages that receive the links, both of them controlled against pages that haven't had those changes put in. That's as far as we've gone so far. But we have a um, an idea for going to the next stage, which is to have another measurement group, which is a control group of pages that uh, are outside of the set of pages that could have been linked to, but that are linked to from the same same source pages. This is getting super hard to explain. But essentially looking for the dilution effects, right? Looking for the possible negative effects on other page types from the fact that you've added new pages into new new links into certain templates. No, it's I mean it's fascinating. And it makes me think, especially for the enterprise brands that are running these types of experiments, like for SearchPilot, like do you have a like almost like a concierge service of people who like run the experiments in-house or who is the type of person at the enterprise? What role would they have that could competently run these types of complex experiments? Like, do they need to be a technical SEO with like a background in significant mathematics and, st you know, statistics, or is it, can it be someone who's just, you know, maybe an SEO who doesn't run that, but they, you know, are working with your team? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So, we work in a whole bunch of different ways. I would say looking at the folks who are good at this on our team, as well as in-house, you yeah. don't necessarily need to be a um, you know, math statistics genius. Like the, the plat our platform can kind of handle a lot of that, that complexity. Cool. We do need the SEO capability. So it turns out that coming up with good hypotheses is hard. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's an SEO skill. So the, the biggest thing is probably SEO experience to, to come up with ideas that might be good. Is, is probably the biggest differentiator. Um, in addition to that, a little bit of coding skill is useful, be it, you know, HTML, basic JavaScript, that, CSS, that kind of stuff, to be able to ideally implement this stuff, although, although we try and make that as easy as possible. Um, and then, yes, we do have the kind of what you call the concierge service. We call it autopilot, um, which is uh, the, Love that. You know, like run it for you kind of thing. Um, because having spun out an agency, we know how to do that kind of customer service kind of side of things. And uh, in fact, so yeah, I would say, oh yeah, almost all of that team are still folks who were in the agency world with us, who came across uh, to SearchPilot. Uh, and then we started obviously hiring and training into that team as well. And um, yeah, I, I think that's a, a really fun area to, um, to, to spend the time working because it's, it's a little bit like being an SEO consultant, but with a little bit more control over the customer's website and a little bit more um, credit when things go right, I guess, right? You, you get the, you get the nice chart that goes up and, and you get to show that to, uh, to, to your client's boss. And, uh, and that's pretty great. I, I love that. I mean, and, and, it, and it, it seems fun. I mean, so, like experiments are fun because it's like, you know, yes, there's a lot at stake, but you get to see, you know, whether you're right, whether you're wrong. I'm curious kind of telling off, um, of the subject though, in terms of, you mentioned best practices and, and you, you come up with these, these experiments, these hypotheses, to what extent do you, how do you even think about best practices versus like just Google documentation? Because we know Google is not always transparent versus your own personal experience, despite the fact that everything's constantly changing. Like, 
how how do you come up with that like hypotheses in the first place? Is it just intuition? Is it where does that stem from for you? There certainly is a lot of experience yeah. that, that goes into that. I think um, we're trying to make it a little bit more process driven, I suppose. <clears throat> so that's a com combination of capturing test history. So, so we you know we can have a list of tests that we've run in the past that, that and we can tell how they've gone or, or whatever else. Um, some checklists and, and, and that kind of stuff, right? You know, ha have you thought about testing all of these different elements on the page? That's the kind of thing you could you can build a checklist around. But I think ultimately there is a creativity element in there as well. And 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 we, although I called it autopilot earlier, that's it's definitely human powered autopilot. Right. Rather than, this is not Elon Musk style uh, self driving cars. Like we we haven't we, we don't envisage for for a long time that this is a computer driven task. The computer is the tool, uh, but there's still a kind of human creativity element in there to to figure out ideas that might work even if it's not a list of ideas that will work right it, it, it's just an, a list of hypotheses so yeah it's um it, it's a question of, of working through all of those kind of things but it, it, it looks if you think about the the work of an seo consultant mm -hmm. who doesn't have access to, to testing capabilities or who's working with a website that isn't suitable for that or a page on the website so even on these massive websites they still have a homepage, and you still might want to make changes to the homepage for SEO reasons. And you can't test that in a controlled way because there's only one homepage. So you fall back on all of the tools and techniques that you would use if you were if you were in any of those situations. And it's just that at the end of it, instead of saying, you know, dear client, we think you should do this. It's like, hey, here's my hypothesis. Now we can test it. Um, and, but it's the same process building up to that. And, and, and it just speaks to the, I think, to the point of like, whether you're an agency or you're a consultant, having the experience is so key. Like having had, like seen so many different types of websites, like, you know, after all these years, you and Duncan building all these websites and doing SEO, it's like, you know, so much better firsthand than someone who might just be in-house working. Like they might know their, their own website inside and out, but in terms of best practices, that's that's really hard to. There's a lot of pros and cons of the different. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people take yeah. the career journey, you know, all the way through from from one to the other, from agency to in house and and, and back again. Uh, and yeah, there's different pros and cons, but certainly the, it's the the best thing I think about the agency world is is exactly that. It, it's the combination of well, not only that you get to see a lot, but also you're surrounded by colleagues who are seeing a lot. And I think when I've spoken to folks who've gone in house, even when they joined. Significant, so significant sized teams. You know, some people right. obviously have a one man band in house, but even if they've got a decent sized team, that whole team is is just looking at the same website all the time. And yeah, the, the agency side benefit is definitely you get to see a lot, but also you're surrounded by people who are getting to see a lot. So you hear all those stories. The slack is is the thing, right? <laughs> and, and, and yeah, what we're trying to do with the search part professional services team is like just the level above that. It's the same thing. It's just with data. Uh, more data, more statistics uh, on top. It, it's so cool, and 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 I and I, I the coolest thing is I love how you and your team you're you're like continuing to innovate. It doesn't stop. It always goes on. I know we're about at time. We're not even getting to robot txt files and your advice there. So we'll have to we'll have to have you back. But one thing I did want to ask is is important. You know, one thing that we represent and I pull rank. I know you represent Search Palette is your diversity and inclusion program. Um, you have this this program that you've been doing for the last two years, uh, last few years, uh, that you're continuing iterating on the process. Can you speak a little to that and why, what it is and why it's important to you? Yeah, well, so I mean, going back to the beginning, this is something that, I, I wrote a little bit about this. It, it's 
I didn't realize the importance soon enough in this field. If I'm you know, being brutally honest and, and critical of myself, I think, um, you know, it was not only was distilled started by two white guys who are literally the exact same age. Um, you know, we came, we, we grew up walking distance from each other's houses. Like you can't get less diverse. Um, and we, we grew up playing basketball. You know, like we're into the same things. We're from the same place. Uh, never mind all of the, yeah, we're not diverse in any sense. So, and, and yeah, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't something I, I realized the importance of in terms of building strong teams, in terms of, uh, resilience of the teams in terms of also the self-reinforcing as aspect of it. Once once a team looks a certain way or uh, thinks a certain way, it could be it becomes self-reinforcing. It's much harder to introduce diversity later. And um, we knew that we were starting with a you know, the handicap in search pilot of spinning out still. So so you know, same founders, same team. The senior right. team has worked together for a decade now. Um, the the search pilot crew, and um, so we're we're kind of we have some work still to undo from the fact that we, we not realized the importance of building diversity into, into the infrastructure uh, of everything we did. So yeah, we knew we had, it was important. We built it into the very deliberately into the core values of search pilot that we, uh, we want to capture the strengths of a diverse team in, um, in all senses. And yeah, so the, the particular program that you're referencing was that I decided that one of the ways that we were going to do this was, uh, a transparency and you know accountability report and so we've for two years now written a, a public document that uh, builds off of uh, survey data and um, so part like um, uh, what's the word like um, self-reported characteristics mm -hmm. and so forth from the team uh, obviously aggregated and anonymized and, and, and so forth as well as some um, behavioral type stuff so how people are feeling about uh, the, the inclusion side, I guess, you know, I feel welcome at search pilot answers to those kind of questions scored out of, uh, scored out five or scored out 10. And for the first time this year, we also included our recruitment stats in that. So, um, we had a, you know, an optional anonymous survey that went out to, to applicants for our jobs after they'd applied that said, Hey, you know, we, we, we want to hold ourselves accountable to this stuff. It's totally anonymous. It's totally disconnected from your hiring profile. But if you would like to complete this information, we'd love to capture it. And so we've reported a little bit on, on those things as well. And um, yeah, you know, we, we've still got a long way to go uh, and we've been very transparent about that in the, in, in the write-up, but I hope that by gradually um, holding ourselves to account to it, showing that we're working on the inclusion side and then putting this effort in on the everywhere from recruitment through to uh, yeah, like promotion and, and internal development and, and those kind of things that we can, um, yeah, we can end up with, with that more robust, uh, diverse and inclusive organization in the long run. I, I, I think it's awesome. I think it's incredibly commendable and I think it's really important. So I, I, I thought it was really important to continue to spread the word on that. I love that. If people want to find that, that yeah, we'll have it in the recap of the blog post, like a link to that transparency document. Cause I think it's something that other organizations should take and learn from mm -hmm. and, and, and include. So, so it's easy to find on our, on our site as well. If, if, if folks, if, before we have that link up, uh, it's just yeah. on our job page. So you can go to searchpilot.com slash jobs and um, it's linked to from there among other places, the about page and various other places. That's awesome. Well, you're, you're a wealth of knowledge. You're a pleasure to, to chat with. I really appreciate you taking the time with me today. Um, if anyone wants to find you, what's the best way to get in touch? Where do you ha hang out online? Twitter is definitely the best place to ask me robots.txt questions. Um, and, uh, and of course, anything else that people want to, uh, want to geek out about. So yeah, I'm at Will Critchlow 
on Twitter and pretty uh, easily accessible there. DMs are open. Um, and on the more, uh, I guess, work side, um, at Searchpilot on Twitter is the place to follow for um, all of our test results and taking part in our little polls where we ask people to guess what the results of different tests are going to be. And if they go to searchpilot.com, they can sign up for the email list where, again, we email out those test results. And we've just started releasing exclusively for the email subscribers video behind the scenes discussions between me and the, uh, the consultants who actually built the tests or analyze the tests and, and answer all those questions that we had that we know you have about, hey, you know, like, what about this thing? Or was it the same on all devices? Or did you see the same thing on all page types? And uh, yeah, we, I'd love for people to get involved in those conversations as well. I, I love it. Those tests are awesome, by the way. Thank you so much for being my guest, Frank. Well, we really appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. It's been, uh, it's been a blast. Great talking to you, guys. Great talking to you. This is Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank for the Rankable Podcast. Next week, we are being joined to talk uh, tech SEO, e-commerce with Christina Azarenko. Looking forward to that. Will Critchlow, find them online. Start SEO A-B testing. Hopefully, you have enough, enough uh, traffic and, and web pages to do it. Thanks again, Will. We are signing off. Peace.